It's Monday the 29th of June 2020. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by Roof Broadcast journalist Boye Augustsson and by Nikita Hammer-Patterson, a PhD student and teacher specialising in film and extreme cinema. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Now, this weekend saw Iceland overwhelmingly re-elect its incumbent president for the next four years. A house fire that killed three people on Thursday last week has reignited national debate about workers' rights and specifically how some employers and agencies treat foreign workers. Hundreds gathered yesterday to show their respects and their desire for change. COVID-19 screening at the border is back in focus after a false negative led to hundreds being put in quarantine and the biggest group infection in Iceland to date. The authorities say the speed and size of their reaction to the infection shows the system is working as planned. The prominent nurses and cabin crew pay and conditions disputes have both seen progress over the past week and strike action seems to have been avoided. And today marks the start of Dynamic Mongoose, the annual (laughs) NATO submarine warfare exercises that will now alternate between Iceland and Norway. You may in fact have seen the warships and submarine already as they arrived in Reykjavik over the recent days. So where would you like to begin? I think we have to start with the fire that killed three people. It was an extremely sad, um, but in a way predictable thing uh, to happen. Um, foreign workers in Iceland are treated abominably and uh, they are charged a high amount of money for uh, living in uh, substandard uh, accommodation. Uh, This is, uh, to me, uh, more or less modern slavery. And uh, in spite of the media, we at Ruv, we have done a number of stories, and we've done in-depth uh, stories on this. So has um, Stuntin and other um, media uh, in Iceland. Uh, the uh, labor unions, they have pressed for a change, but it seems that nothing happens. The police were absolutely aware of the conditions in the house that burned down. But the authorities seem not to be able to do anything about it. And this really is a scandal. And and it it is really sad that three people had to die in something that could have been foreseen. Mm -hmm. So this, to me, is is the most important news from Iceland um, uh, in in the past week. Absolutely. I, I would agree with that as well. It mm. is a scandal and it should have been avoided. Um, it, two years ago when Ruv broadcast that particular episode of Kvegud, yeah. um, the nation erupted into debate and, and outrage over this. Um, some people said we should have known before. It's ignorant that we didn't. But after that, everybody did know and everybody had an opinion on it. Has anything changed in these past two years? Sadly, No. That, um, unfortunately, just as I was explaining, um, everybody was aware of it. Uh, the authorities are aware of it. Uh, and uh, nothing has been done. Uh, I know it's a very complicated situation. It's complicated who is responsible. There's no one single authority that you can turn to uh, in order to say, you must fix this. 
because it's a complicated legislation. There are all kinds of authorities involved. Um, so it seems that um, no single person or authority is able to uh, step forward and say, OK, this is what we, uh, we should do. Mm. But one has to look at the relevant ministries and ask, where have you been? There's definitely a lot of um, there's blood on people's hands with this, and uh, just the hearing the account of one of the survivors describing uh, what it was to wait those extra two minutes and be saved versus watching someone that he had known for so long pass. They they couldn't wait those two minutes. It, we can't even imagine how terrifying this experience was, and it just it it's really. Um, Disturbing, because as you said, this is not new. This is not a new concept. This is not a new issue. So what are the practical steps that we can take right now to start pushing? We see a lot of um, ripple effect from the like Black Lives Matter movement in the states and the, the um, widespread po protests. And one of the, you know, practical issues they're pushing forward is defunding the police and distributing money in a different way. But it makes me you know, question then what is the practical step that we can take that everyone who is living here can hold, you know, accountable to start moving out of this really, really awful circumstances? Mm. I mean, I would say at, at, the, at the base of it, companies, agencies that are bringing workers into Iceland they have the responsibility to provide them with good housing and good mm -hmm. legal wages, at least. At the very least. And then above them, there needs to be this oversight to make sure that that's happening. Mm -hmm. And above that has to be the government infrastructure that's putting that on in place. Because we do have rules mm -hmm. and there are institutions that are supposed to be doing this. But like you say, they're kind of stuck in what role, who should be doing what and, and not wanting to step on each other's toes and it is not working. No, the labour unions, they try to oversee uh, and, and check that uh, people are paid according um, to the agreements that have been reached, mm -hmm. uh, that they're not uh, underpaid. We know in several instances that uh, that's exactly what has happened. And unfortunately, we have to put this down to greed of of uh, of uh, the and entrepreneurs that uh, import the uh, foreign labor and we have to remember also as well that um, these people these workers that come to Iceland in the, they they of course they don't speak the language and um, they are not aware of their own rights um, so it's very easy to um, exploit them and uh, they are also afraid that if they say something, if they protest, their uh, work authorization will be withdrawn and they will be uh, deported. Mm -hmm. So they, they are in a very, very uh, vulnerable situation mm -hmm. and they are exploited. It's, it's a simple fact. Related to this is a, uh, is a recent poll. I know this isn't a racism issue in itself because uh, most of the workers are white, the Christian white people, Poles, Lithuanians, or from other Baltic countries. But uh, 
related to is this that 57% of Icelanders think that racism in this country is commonplace. Mm. And um, that's in, 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 in the wake of the uh, George Floyd killing in the US and the Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter protest. Then it is linked. Yeah. It is linked, yes. Of course it's linked. So even um, so, it's, uh, even if it isn't uh, the color of the, your skin that matters in this instance, I think yeah, the racism... Uh, the, Deep-rooted racism in, in, in large parts of the population, or in parts of the population at least. I, I won't say large parts, but uh, uh, this, is, this is racism as well, yeah. Mm. Mm. Now, the building itself is by no means alone. There's people living in awful conditions around the country. But that particular house, we think that about 10 or 12 people lived in it, this three-storey wooden building. Mm-hmm. But 72 people have their legal address there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a huge red flag right there, isn't it? There are both um, uh, the police and uh, the uh, uh, the fire departments. They know of a lot of buildings where similar things could happen, where you have similar conditions. Mm. This might have been a particularly bad one, but I know for a fact because I don't live far from there. Uh, I know for a fact that uh, the neighbours were aware of it. Mm-hmm. The neighbours had contacted the authorities. Nothing was done. And uh, one should only hope that this is a wake-up call for all the relevant authorities, the labour unions, uh, the police, um, to at last act and do something to improve the conditions of the people that... Uh, come to Iceland to work. Mm. Yeah. Hundreds of people turned out yesterday, um, including the mayor of Reykjavik, police, fire brigade, to call for exactly that. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think that will help? It, does it take people turning out onto the streets to, to make action happen? I think we're uh, in a very, just in when I think of my experience of living in the States versus my experience of living here, how... Uh, protest is very accessible here. And sometimes I get a little nervous that because of its accessibility, it's almost, you know, just something you do on the weekends for many people, which I think is a good thing that to show up and be a number and, you know, be part of that body to make that visual statement. Uh, What I appreciate about yesterday's um, event or uh, them walking to the house, there is like this root of a of um something kind of ritualistic in a way to walk there and be there and recognize and look at where it happened and be there in spirit so i'm hoping that um you know r- you know bringing in that feeling to it that it's not just standing in the square and you know talking to your neighbor like oh hi there you are aren't you mad about this yes me too mm. uh there's something very symbolic about adding to how you're performing. And it did have two distinct parts to it. People gathered outside Parliament. Mm-hmm. That was the political part. This was the, yeah. we, we won't stand for this. And then all of this group, this massive group of people walked to the house. Yeah, the reverence that uh, you show as well. And I think uh, when you connect things to emotion, you know, anger, of course, is it, it's a lot of layers to that. Mm-hmm. But I hope 
we can, you know, remember this and continue just standing as a whole and hold people accountable. This is unacceptable. Yeah, and this was one of the most visible signs of what's been happening, but it's not the only one. I mean, people mm -hmm. have died in work accidents, yes, preventable has. ones, mm. with, with lacking safety equipment, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is another thing that the labor unions are supposed to, well, not supervise, but uh, um, check and see. Uh, um, we have authorities that are supposed to supervise. And largely, I think they do um, a um, reasonably good job because safety in workplaces in Iceland um, has improved enormously. Um, if I just mention uh, safety at sea, mm -hmm. um, hundreds of people work um, on Icelandic fishing boats and trawlers uh, and, other fish, uh, and, and other vessels, mm, but uh, accidents are very rare. Mm. Uh, this is uh, the result of a um, conscious, uh, I mean, people have consciously worked uh, on this issue for, for, for decades. And it has, uh, there are very good results because um, accidents are, uh, at sea are, are very rare uh, nowadays. And, and safety for seafarers is, uh, is um, pretty good in this country. And I would th think also. Uh, in most workplaces, but not all. And we know that um, greedy entrepreneurs, they skimp on the safety as they try to uh, utilize, uh, well, exploit the, uh, the workforce, uh, workforce that they in, 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 import into the country, sad to say. And, and the thing is that um, people seem to get away with this. Mm. Um, they may go bankrupt. Uh, then they, uh, it's very easy for them to start up again. Mm -hmm. uh, a new company, uh, a new record, uh, past sins uh, are wiped clean. Um, and uh, a law that's supposed to stop um, people from doing this has been stuck, or law proposal has been stuck in Parliament for years. Well, maybe that's an appropriate moment to move on to the election. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> that was also big news. Um, yeah. Although the, it, it was big news, but the outcome was... Everyone knew the outcome before it even happened. It, was, mean, it was fairly predictable, yes. It was, yeah. Mm -hmm. So why did we have an election? <laughs> that's my question, yes. <laughs> it, nice to have an exercise in democracy. And yes, I, I respect the right to vote and the right to run. But I question um, the point, I guess, is what, if you are running to make a point, is that the best way to do it? <laughs> well, it's, um, I mean, this, uh, <clears throat> this exercise in democracy, mm -hmm. which some people say, yeah, well, fine, uh, in these times uh, when, uh, when uh, the state is pumping money into um, the economic system. This is one good way of doing it because it's, uh, it, uh, it's once, uh, it, it uh, spreads to all kinds of people because there are hundreds of people that, uh, that were working um, in the elections. Mm -hmm. So um, they get a little bit of money 
Um, so, so it um, sort of tests the system for the parliamentary elections of next year. So, all <laughs> right. in all, it's a um, it's a beneficial thing. But you're absolutely right in the sense that uh, um, as a uh, as an exercise in democracy, this was absolutely ridiculous. And uh, that again is because of failure of politicians. Mm-hmm. Politicians have for decades been trying to review the constitution of this country which in its origin uh, is a royal constitution granted by the Danish king in 1849. The Danes long ago changed their constitution, um, which was based on the, on the same constitution for, for, from 1849. Uh, in 1953, they had a, a thorough uh, revision of their constitution. We... And in 1944, when this country became a republic, ceased to be a kingdom, um, everybody uh, in parliament agreed uh, this is just a provisional constitution. We will pretty soon um, get a new constitution. That was, what, 76 years ago, almost 80 years (laughs) ago. Uh, And uh, there is no new constitution because the politicians, they can't agree, and they can't agree on even the smallest methods. Oh, well, well, maybe I'm a bit unfair because some parts of the constitution have been rewritten or we've we've gotten new new chapters into the constitution, for example, on human rights. But... uh, uh, the, the the part about the president and the president's power, which is contradictory, mm-hmm. because on the one hand says uh, that uh, uh, the, the president is um, the holder of, of of all power. In another sentence, it it says that uh, the uh, the ministers um, are the executive, and the president is uh, not responsible for for anything. So uh, this has to be cleared up. Another thing has to be cleared up is that uh, it takes only 1,500, 1,500 signatures in the general population for uh, somebody to be a lawful candidate uh, and and be a presidential candidate. Uh, that's exactly what happened in this case. Some people have got more friends on Facebook than that. Uh, I've got more <laughs> friends on Facebook. <laughs> And, and and so this is ridiculous. It was decided. This was decided in 1944 when I think maybe 140,000 people, something like that, just over 100,000 people lived in this country. Now it's closer to 400,000. And uh, so at least that number should have gone up proportionately. It should have gone up at least proportionately. Yeah. And now nowadays it's far easier to collect signatures than it was in 1944. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, um, um, two thirds or only three quarters of the population live within, uh, let's say, twenty-five kilometers of the of the uh, center of Reykjavik, so it's pretty easy. Uh, and then you can uh, gather signatures online. So uh, this is a ridiculous situation. Yeah. Gwilym de Franklin was collecting signatures in Kringland, I think, or smaller in Kringland. Yeah. It, would, it would take, you know, hmm. less than a day when yeah. you look at other um, local politicians from around the world that are coming into their governments as these, you know, very new kind of fresh faces. Um, the work they did to canvas mm. in their communities versus the kind of nepotism that might be on your side as an Icelandic man to 
Call up your family. <laughs> yeah. Show up at a family reunion. Get yeah. a get a fraction of that, <laughs> the chunk that you need. Go to Kringland one Saturday morning. Call it a day. So. I, I, hey, Preston, there you are. <laughs> Grudney was the first president to ever face opposition after one term in part, in, in, in mm. uh, Bessie's mm-hmm. studies. Um, but he's not the only one that's faced a re-election battle overall. But he did have the second biggest uh, majority ever recorded. Yep. So it's a, good, it's a good day for him. Yeah, it was a very good night for him mm. and, and for Eliza uh, because she's, um, I think she's, she's also a big part of the presidency. Um, and um, the, uh, yeah, the, the fact is that um, people thought it impolite to stand against the president decades ago. <laughs> so it was uh, in 1980, it was only in 1988 uh, that uh, somebody stood against a sitting president. Mm. Um, since then, uh, it has happened. Uh, but this is the first time that uh, it has happened after the first um, four-year period. Um, yeah, but it will be, uh, unless we change the constitution um, before the next presidential election, we will definitely have not one, we, we will have more candidates. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, it should be said that more people tried to collect 1,500 signatures, but they were so hopeless that they didn't even manage to do that. So the rule does kind (laughs) of work a little bit. Um, Well, yeah. Would you like to see a presidential election every four years? This nonsense about it being impolite to stand against a sitting president, is that completely old-fashioned? Or, given that it's a largely ceremonial head of state role, Mm. is is it consistency better and stability? I think it has to be a matter of uh, individual um, preference um, because uh, uh, I and it will also be a matter of whether you like the president uh, or, or not. Um, as as you rightly pointed out, Alex, uh, this is a largely ceremonial um, presidency, but uh, the president does have. Um, certain powers uh, sort of uh, it has been described as an emergency break uh, he can refuse to sign laws and Oliver Ragnar Grimson um, who uh, uh, sat for, from 1996 to 2016 for, for, for 20 years uh, yes he um, he used those powers mm-hmm. uh, the first president to do that prior presidents had been behind the scenes um, somewhat political, and they had, uh, yeah, they had tried to influence um, the um, coalition. When people, when people were trying to make coalitions, they they, they had used their, their influence or the power, um, but very much behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? Um, first, we will have to define the presidency. What kind of a president uh, or presidency do we want to have in this country? If it's largely ceremonial and uh, you are, um, on the whole, pleased with the person who is uh, sitting at Bessastai, um I don't think there is any need for uh, an election every four years. Uh, you're more or less electing a head of state for more than four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're electing a head of state that 
uh, to represent the country um, for, let's say, eight or 12 years. But I, I definitely think that the Constitution should have a limit, um, like the American Constitution. Mm. Yeah. Well, it used to be 16 years was accepted as the limit, but yeah. it was never actually in law. And no. then Oliver Ragnar... Yeah. Yeah. Said no, no. I'm going to go for I'm going to go for twenty years. Nothing mm. to do. Well, it was also uh, accepted in the U.S. that um, a president should only sit for two periods until until um, Franklin uh, Roosevelt mm -hmm. uh, stood for the third time in uh, what was it, 1940? Yeah. yeah. Another Franklin. Another, Another Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. Quite <laughs> fundamentally different. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> and a little bit more successful. Yes. In, in politics, at least. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm accustomed to. <clears throat> the four-year kind of political frame. Um, I don't think it's a stretch. It is a it's a right to vote. Um, it's a it's interesting to when you let it slip and you do start kind of taking it for granted. It is actually a very big deal. Um, but I think you know it's it's also scary, of course, as much as it is scary to have someone stay in office maybe too long, depending on what side of it that you sit on. But I just find that the world is changing very rapidly. And uh, I, I have a hard time anticipating that, you know, one set of politics are going to sound the same, mm. you know, just mm. it's, it's... Four years from now. Four years from place. now, a lot can change. It's, we've had a lot of parliament <laughs> elections in between because the four years was too long of a stretch even, so... But um, I, I, it's just it, it feels kind of just more custom and stable. And and election day itself has a role to play. I mean, people love it. People go voting in, in suits. It's and yeah, it's, yeah, it's they have parties and going with and the coffee. family. It's, I heard some beautiful conversations uh, on Saturday of uh, children asking, like, wait, wait, don't don't I have to vote? Yeah. Wait, I didn't I didn't vote yet. And yeah. parents saying, well. You will one day, and it'll be very fun. And other kids like, wait, wait, we didn't vote today. Did you go vote? And it's like, yeah, we just did that right now. But it's, that's how accessible it is as well, which is uh, something worth you know being grateful for. It's uh, like in the states, you have mm. to go on a Tuesday. Maybe you're working all day. When you finally get to the polls, it's a line out the door. It's very chaotic. So to have a like a, a festive feeling. And people kind of showing up with respect for what they're doing mm. um, and having a, a, a good feeling about it, having a little excitement to do something that's physically easy. <laughs> I have a I German friend uh, who lives in Iceland, uh, a few years on, younger than I am. Uh, he says it's a, for him, uh, it's a must to go on board. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's not something which is God-given. It's a privilege to be living in a country where you have democracy. You should respect democracy by going to vote even uh, when the um, result is a foregone conclusion. Agreed. And people that don't vote because they think it's a foregone conclusion could lead to the opposite happening and, yeah. and the, the surprise mm -hmm. candidate winning. Yeah, it's um, a lot of people say that's what happened in the in the Brexit um, uh, election in the UK. Mm -hmm. uh, young people who, on the whole, were um, in favour of staying in the EU. They didn't go uh, uh, to the polls because uh, they they had seen and read that uh, that um, they didn't go to, to vote because the polls had predicted that uh, their side would win. 
and mm -hmm. uh, in the end their side lost and uh, and also you can see in the US um, uh, uh, it's a, a lot of people I mean I think that it's between 50 and 60 percent of those eligible uh, to vote that actually go and vote Admittedly, um, I, I find it very strange uh, that the Americans, I know there are historical reasons, but I find it very strange that the Americans vote on a Tuesday, mm -hmm. uh, the Brits vote on a Thursday. Um, but we in Scandinavia, we tend to vote uh, on, on, on a weekday when people weekend. don't have to, a weekend, sorry, uh, when people don't have to go to work, mm -hmm. which I think is uh, much more sensible. Um, and... Um, it's, I would just add, though, yeah. on it, I don't know about the US, but in the UK, the polling stations are open a lot longer, so yeah. you can go before or after work. Uh, that's that right. does it's, help. It's open, and, uh, they're, they're open, just like in Iceland, they're open until 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, they, but yeah. they open at 7. At 7, yeah. yeah. So you yeah. can go vote before, yeah, be, yeah. before going to work. Yeah, that's, you run uh, into traffic, that's right. though. There's voting traffic. And there's, more, and there's more of them as well. Yeah. This yeah. seems to be everyone yeah. everyone should have one in walking distance. And, that, and that's mm -hmm. that's one one aspect of democracy that people don't talk very much about. Right. That's the accessibility uh, mm -hmm. and and the ease of going to vote because if you have to stand in line uh, either in, in, in the, I mean the weather in America and lots of states in America uh, in Vermont in in, in in November it can be pretty Pretty, pretty you're, you're yeah. really fighting yeah. to put and, that and vote if in. you have to stand in a, in a line for an hour or two that uh, yeah it, it, uh, it discourages regular. you yeah. and you don't know what kind of um, you know loopholes you might run into when you go to mm -hmm. get into the poll and yeah. there are other things that can come up about your ID about your address it's people getting turned away the, mm -hmm. everyone has the uh, privilege um, in full capacity depending on their circumstances Exactly. So, viva the democracy and, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, as ever, time has gone far too quickly and we need to say goodbye. Um, just on a side note, if you haven't already had more than enough of me in your ears, uh, then you might like to know I'm presenting a new show, including music and chat in Icelandic, with prominent new Icelanders. Niaratish uh, is its name. It's between eight and nine every Saturday morning in July and August on Raustur. And we start this week, uh, this Saturday, with First Lady Eliza Reid. I look forward to it. Wonderful. For now, though, um, it's a massive thanks to my guests, Nikita Hammer-Patterson and Boye Augustson, and also to Lydia Gretestotir for running the studio. The Week in Iceland will be back next Monday, the 6th of July, on ruv.is forward slash English, Ruv English on Facebook, uh, through the Ruv app and your favourite podcast platform. We finish today with a song to remind us that while not all is well in the world, it is still beautiful, and today is a beautiful day. This is Fatleo Daur by none other than Bubi Mortens. Bye for now.
Sjöst sumar og sólin Syngja þér sigla Þú gengur glöð út í hitan Inn í draumbláan dag Þessi falli See you. 